Hi, everyone. This is Joanne LaRocque. Uh, this is the third podcast with my husband as far as his railroad career. The other two podcasts that we uh, originally talked about and discussed were more or less the nitty-gritty of, of work, working on the railway and how difficult it can be in inclement weather, uh, hard working conditions on the railway, uh, railroad, and uh, sort of a centuries-old tradition of, of working hard with the, with not many breaks and sometimes no food when going out to derailments, but things have uh, really improved since then. And uh, But this podcast with my husband... We're going to try to keep it light this time because I'm sure to this day he has some PTSD with the fact that he almost lost his life working on the railway and then seeing accidents and other people hurt or killed. And uh, it it can be uh, difficult memories to bring up. And maybe we'll talk about that later on with my husband whenever he's he's up to this. But... uh, this time, for this third podcast, we're going to talk about his crew and his job on the railway and his crew and some of the fun times, uh, possibly, if that's good for you. Mike, would you like to talk about your, first of all, what was your title? When you first started, you were a laborer, Yeah, right? we, we used to call them section men. Section men. That's because, like I was mentioned before, there was a section every 20 miles. Uh, that was way back in 71 till, uh, oh, things changed as far as, uh, uh, the territories like that, probably, uh, uh, in the last 10 years I was there. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. And then, um, um. You were section men, but you were laborers. Yeah, laborers, track guys, they called us too. Track guys. And then uh, it didn't take very long. I was relieving foreman within the first year of working there, probably by 1975. Uh, and then I I became a permanent uh, uh, track maintenance foreman uh, very early in my career. So what does a track maintenance foreman do? What were, what were your titles or Job duties. Job duties? Well, CP Rail had a, uh, I called it a Bible, but it was a book that that mentioned all your duties and all that. And it um, actually, let's say when it comes to a section, you were responsible for everything on that territory, uh, including roads. uh, waterways, um, beaver dams. I remember beaver, uh, yeah. <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> yeah, everything that pertaining to that section. If it uh, involved the railway. Well, yeah, everything that involved the railway. Everything, even if you had bosses above you, it did not matter. You were responsible for it. Okay, so then you started off in the railway at first 17 laid off then back again when you were 18 and then for pretty well the balance of your career over 30 years you were track maintenance foreman and uh, you talked about how difficult the working conditions 
were and are, I'm sure, to this day, although they have newer technology and high-rail cars now instead of those little mini putt-putt uh, vehicles that they had when you were on uh, the railway. But uh, let's talk about how you felt as a foreman. How were you with your crew and how many uh, men, back then it was all men, how many men were on your career, uh, crew and what kind of stories can you talk about as far as your men and how they became your friends? First of all, living in Sudbury, Ontario, we are uh, like Toronto, a multicultural uh, uh, town of peoples from that originally immigrated to Sudbury because it, it is the largest mining capital of the world. So, but uh, there were battalions, Ukrainians, uh, French, and Finlanders, and Native. indigenous peoples, and uh, you had a lot of people um, that were from different countries that worked on your crew. Did they all enjoy working for you, would you say? And what were your fondest memories of some of these guys that you work with? Well, I'd say, I'd say for sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk more about uh, possibly from 1991 to 2003. I was the uh, track maintenance foreman in Sudbury Yard. And my crew averaged between four and six men. Uh, you know, at different times uh, through the years it changed. And um, yeah, there was a lot of fond memories. Uh, most of my crew uh, in those years mainly come from, they were mainly from Italy, uh, from the old country itself. So uh, we had we had some great times, <laughs> actually, good laughs. And Did you cook them a pot of spaghetti one time at work uh, uh, when you're in the Sudbury uh, yard? More than once. <laughs> How did you get away with that? <laughs> well, or was it during your lunch break? Well, it was, it was lunch break, but I started cooking before that. Um, like, we really worked hard most of the time. Um, and you're not Italian. I, you're French-Canadian. No, I'm French-Canadian, but I always, you know, for a French-Canadian, the Frenchman that thinks he's Italian, because I worked with the uh, uh, Italian people uh, uh, for many, many years, so... I got to uh, learn their traditions, their uh, uh, the way they, they they love to eat, the way they cook, uh, how to make wine, how to drink wine, of course. <laughs> um, but like I said, we 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 worked hard, and when I said go, they didn't question the way they went. They were right with me, and we dug, we got it done. But when it was time to say, say, okay, boys, that's, we've worked hard enough. Like, let's take a break. Or, uh, you know what? I'm going. I've got some paperwork to do. I was in my office, and I said, uh, I'm going to cook some, cook us some spaghetti, some pasta for lunch. So they must have thought that how could a French Canadian Indigenous Métis guy, <laughs> yeah, cook pasta and spaghetti sauce when they are. Italian from yeah. the whole country. Well, I used to. So I'm I, sure there was a lot of ribbing that went on. Yes, for sure. I was uh, very good friends with them. They become like your family because it wasn't only working with them eight hours a day. Like sometimes I've seen uh, working 
out there 36 hours without going without coming home i mean that when there was emergencies so you get to know guys they become your best friends so um yeah and you know i had a lot of i was well respected by cp rail not just in management in Subray, but also uh, from toronto and nobody questioned me for you some... were offered a position in toronto but you st- you declined it to stay home in your no, hometown no. area. Yeah, it, it looks like family. I was told you were grooming me uh, to become the general general roadmaster uh, of Ontario, kind of thing. And um, but you declined that. And yeah, well, I done. I mean, I done a lot of supervision jobs too, um, but uh, no, I decided not to. It was already been too much. And you worked hard, but you also rewarded your career, uh, sometimes against company rules, by having extended lunch. And uh, what oh. was lunchtime like with with your crew? Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> I remember you packing your lunch at home yeah. with at least three or four sandwiches, yeah, yeah. all kinds of fruit and vegetables. Yeah. So what was it like uh, during lunchtime when you all sat down and uh, you put your metal lunch pails <laughs> on the table and opened them up and started to eat? What was that like? Well, first of all, those metal lunch pails were quite huge. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, it was so funny. I could still, when you mentioned that, I still recall. I said we'd open our lunch pails, and then the fruit and vegetables would roll out. <laughs> there was so much food in there, but uh, yeah, well, you we, were hungry. You worked well, hard. We worked hard, and we ate well, and um, it, you know it was hilarious. And what kind of discussions went on? Well, it always there's a lot of dis- discussions. What comes to me right now is. Who paid I mean, who for the weddings, right, of their daughters? <laughs> That's right, about the weddings. It was hilarious. It would start by saying, oh, uh, I go to uh, my cousin's wedding. And then the other one would say, oh, yeah, I go too, I go too. So it started to say, first of all, they were all going to bring, uh, bring um, peppers because they all grew peppers. In their gardens. <laughs> In their gardens. <laughs> And they always, it was so funny because I've been to a couple of weddings when they were, you know, with them kind of thing. I'd been invited to weddings. And they, they always had a nice sports jacket kind of thing. And all of a sudden you'd see one go into the, the inside pocket to pull out a pepper because they'd bring one of their hot peppers with them. And it was always a contest which who grew the hottest peppers. <laughs> so it started there. And then they talk about, you know, who the hottest peppers, whatever. And I, I can't, like I said, they'd burn my eyes just to be close to them. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then it would start, uh, uh, you know, what they gave to that person, to to that couple, how much money they gave them. And this was at Italian weddings. Italian weddings. So the crews, <laughs> mostly Italian, would start arguing about oh who my gave gosh. the most. At, and you know, at the other person's wedding, or yeah, it got so heated up that I've seen, you know, and they all ate with knives, little paring knives, and I did too because that was the habit. You cut everything right, and did did stand up one on each side of the table with their knives in their hands and turning red, and, and you know, the, you could see the the, the 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 veins in their necks and the way they were upset at each other. <laughs> And you'd say, oh, no, oh, no. 
Somebody's going to get stabbed. Somebody's going to get stabbed. This was lunchtime. <laughs> that was lunchtime. <laughs> Working on the railroad. And you know what? You managed to sit him down and calm him down, and they were still the best of friends. And most of them were related to each other, too, because... No. They, they all came from the yeah. Sudbury area. From the same area and the what same families. That time with Luigi, couldn't find his keys oh, or something. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I got it. I got it. Oh, that's... Anyways, it's a quitting time. I think we had worked some overtime, too. So we come into the, the office, and the office lunchroom and uh, change room is in the same building. So we all come in there, and uh, I had to... Um, I always tried to do my paperwork, uh, my timesheets, work distributions, whatnot, before I went home. So I sat at my desk, and the guys all went into the to the change room. And uh, our friend Luigi was, um, oh, he was in his fifties, and a little bit uh, absent-minded, and a lot of times he'd talk to himself. I think it would, you know it's so hilarious. You'd see him. Walking uh, towards the building at, at, at the change room, whatever, and he'd stop and he'd look and he'd point and he'd talk and I'm sorry, we, he was we, talking to himself. Talking to himself on the railway. Yeah, thinking about this is what we should do and that and there and this so and that. Was, it was hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sitting on my desk and doing my paperwork, and he, he, he comes into the office from from the change room, kind of thing. And he's got his shirt on, and he comes up to me, and I can hear them talking in, in the change room. He comes up to me, he says, Michael, Michael, what, what are you doing with my keys? I said, what? What do you mean, Luigi? What are you doing with my keys? Your keys? Yeah, yeah, my car keys. And I'm looking at him, I said, what are you talking about? You got to my keys. No. I, I, he says, where were your keys? In my pocket. And I'm looking at him, and he's got a shirt on, and, he, and his shoes on, and no pants on. He's in his underwear. And I says, well, what do you mean? Where's your keys? I said, well, look in your pocket. <laughs> and he's there, and he's tapping his leg like this here. And I said, <laughs> and I started laughing. Oh, it was hilarious. What do you do with my keys? It's in his pocket, but he didn't have his pants on. It was so funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, my What do goodness. you do with my keys? And what about some of the other guys that you work with, uh, Joe or Giuseppe? And they all had gardens, and they bring in oh, yeah. well, vegetables from their gardens. Yeah, everybody brought vegetables and whatever. And, what were the, and, some of the names of the other guys? Uh, well, Joe, his name was uh, Giuseppe, and um, John, his, his nephew, is, Gi is Giovanni. Mm -hmm. But everybody, like I said, everything's a contest thing. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. It's so, and they, are, they like to argue. They like to argue, and like I said, you think you're ready to get at each other in the, the, the worst fights, and you say, oh my gosh, if we could end the day and go home. <laughs> anyway, but all, anybody getting hurt, getting killed? <laughs> Not but just it, from working on the railway, but from arguing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over yeah. whose garden was better, oh, whose yeah. wine was oh, better. Yeah. Oh yeah. How and, much uh, money they gave to each other's daughter's weddings? <laughs> yeah, yeah, ready to kill each other, kind of thing. It's, 
And then... Uh, and you and love it, that culture. Oh, yeah. I just loved it because I, I still miss it. It was hilarious. And you miss the guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Anyways, go home. And, I, you know, I used to get called out a lot, you know, uh, uh, by the, the rail dispa uh, the the dispatcher. Uh, you know, broken rails, this and that, that had been reported by the train crews or whatever. So I was home, and I called the guys at their house, and sometimes there was no answer. So I knew doggone well where to call when there's no answer at their house, and that was at the Caruso Club. So the Caruso Club is the Italian club in the town, city of Sudbury, Ontario. And the Caruso Club is... Uh, it's consists of it's Italian club, mm -hmm. and we've we've attended that club many many times for the most delicious meals, Italian foods, and there'd be card playing and dances and weddings and buffets. Yeah. So you, you went to look for some of oh, your I, crew. I didn't have to. Call. No, I'd call. Oh, you called the Caruso oh, I'd Club. Ca I called the Caruso Club. <laughs> and who would you say you'd and, be looking and for? I'd say Luigi or Giovanni or. Michelli, Emilio Michelli. Emilio. So, you know what? I said. Did they okay. say that they were there? <laughs> the two guys that were ready to kill each other were playing cards together. <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe it. I said, oh my, oh my gosh, I think you guys were the worst of enemies. No, no, he's my compare. <laughs> You're what? My compare. I said, what's a freaking compare? <laughs> Which. Which he meant by compare is that one of the, one of the the guys um, was a godfather to his to his daughter. So his compare, well, they're ready to kill each other, but they're they're, they're close. Yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they would actually be called. Uh, you would call for them at the Crusoe Club. They would be playing cards. Yeah. And then they'd go home, get their lunch pails, and go to work. They'd come directly to to the to the job. Wow! Because that was, like I said, it was it was overtime. It was in the evening or whatever. Overtime, which meant double money most of the time. time. And, no, time, time and, and a half. half. Time and a half. Yeah, yeah. and but, uh, uh, yeah, that was the place. If I, I'd call, and the bartender would answer, or whoever it was, they knew who I was, and. They knew to get the guys, and oh yeah, they would come to work. That hard work ethic uh, really seems to show through when you talk about your railroad career and what it was like. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> you worked hard; it was hard on your bodies, but not many people said no. They they liked the the money, and uh, that's the way it was. Yes, they liked the overtime, I think. Yeah, that was part of the culture. Like that, you know what? They did get into arguments who worked the most overtime in the in the pay period. So I mean, it was it was an everyday thing, mm -hmm. but it was still hilarious. I, like, did I you just, go to their homes and meet their families? Oh, oh yeah, I knew most of their families, and yeah, I've had some nice meals with them and had some good wine. And, didn't you have a Ukrainian boss as well, uh, Stepik? Didn't he have uh, some wild rabbits or? Rabbits. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Yeah, you know, he was from Yugoslavia. Oh, Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah, Paul, Paul Stepek. And, and uh, he had uh, uh, the nicest gardens, uh, just amazing gardens, you know. I've never seen nothing like it. Um, he's the one that showed me how to graft an apple tree. And, oh. uh, yeah, yeah, and, you know, I've learned a lot from him. And you had some indigenous fellows work for you, too. 
that worked with uh, me, yeah. mm-hmm. had some heart. They had uh, trauma from what they uh, went through, possibly with their parents or themselves being yep. in Indian mm-hmm. residential schools. That yeah. are is a sad part of our Canadian mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. But they were hard workers. Yeah. These guys, hard workers and hard drinkers. Yeah, yeah, and we've had a few of those too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and you were nice. good, good to them oh, as well. Good, we're good friends. Yeah, we're all very good friends. Yeah, yeah, and then some of them. It didn't matter if they went out and partied and drank. It didn't matter what time they go to bed. They were at work the next day. That is great. And then, but then there's some too that I've worked with that they go on the bender. You wouldn't see them for a couple of days. But, but you never fired them. No. No. Well, there's one guy I, I, that worked for me uh, when I was foreman in the section at Rumford where... Um, I come to work. I always came to work early in the morning, put a pot of coffee on for the guys and whatever for when they came in. And um, this guy here was sleeping on the floor, uh, you know, still uh, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty drunk. Did and they talk about why they drank? Some of the no indigenous people. I think a lot of the mm. the times that we've heard stories um, mm. is because of the trauma the experience, yeah. but at least uh, they still went to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone seemed to be respectful of you as their boss. Oh, yes, yes. But like I said, I, I, I was. we were all pretty well, well, when I first started, it was all older guys that probably started from 1948 to 1958. I was the youngest guy working in the area that I knew of. Um, but then as, as they all started to retire, it was all younger guys. And, but we all learned the same work ethics and, and whatever. Uh, but I, I, I kind of looked at the way the company was and what I, what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it. And what I didn't like about it I, I I work with my guys to improve things. Yeah, things and sometimes the union price. had to come in and. Yeah, like I was again in charge of the union, so. Wasn't be- there a time when you you wanted to a strike action, for because of better pay, better working conditions, and. Yeah, I'm the one that pulled the strike actually across Canada. So what do you mean you're the guy that pulled the strike well, across I had Canada? A, I had a lot of influence with the union at the time. That's That was with the Brotherhood of Maintenance Away before the Teamsters came in. The Teamsters. Yeah. Well, I was also in charge of the union when the Teamsters came in here after so many years. Um, anyways, um, I used to call uh, the head office in, in Ottawa oh, a couple of times a week, I guess. And talked to the head guy there, and which was a friend of mine. So we had been without a contract for about a year and a half, I guess. And I was pretty upset because the guys were upset too. I mean, and say, well, it's time we do something. And uh, the uh, the union was saying, oh, well, we can't, we can't right now. We're still, you know, we're negotiating this and that, and we have to go through these procedures with the government and all this before we could pull a strike. And I was calling, I'd say, hey, this is the last, probably the last large uh, storm of the winter. It's time we go out. 
because it's a year and a half. So yet they were saying no, and I said, listen. And something else, too, that I'm looking at, there's a long Sherman strike at both ends of the country. Okay? So, uh, so it's just like what happens a lot of times with their contract. The ports are going to be closed. The ports for Vancouver, for Vancouver British Columbia, Montreal. Halifax, Montreal. Okay, so, so you I were said, bringing that up while you were talking to the company. Yeah, to try no, to no, not the company. No, no. With the union to say we're going, we're going to go out. Okay, so okay. you were telling the I was telling the, the union, head of the union. And the head of the union was saying no. Get we their can't. act together. <laughs> yeah, get their act together, and they were still saying no. We shouldn't because they were dragging okay, their feet. Dragging their feet because they say we have to show the government that we tried everything we can before you go on strike. But I said it's not going to be effective because whenever there's a winter storm, everything is kind of slowed down to start with. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's uh, right now, the the, uh, the both ends of the country, the ports are going to be closed because of their strike. We're going to pull our strike at the same time to really shut it down. So, which the guy was saying, no, I says, midnight tonight, Sudbury's coming, going out. And I suggest that once we do that, I said, hey, you think I'm going to have to go to jail? Maybe I'm going to have to. But we're pulling. You're going to try what you're going to do. What are you going to do about it? I says, you're going to back me up. So I said, tomorrow we're going out. And I says, I don't care which end of the uh, of the country you guys work with right now, but you start closing them down. I'll alternate the different ends of the country every, every, every day. So that's what happened, a chain reaction. Started with Subbury. So what do you mean it started? Did you call someone or did you just tell the guys we're going on strike today? (laughs) Well, they were all told that at midnight tonight we're going on strike unless I call you, you know. So you told your crew we're going on strike? Just not my crew, the the whole Karchi Subbury division, the Subbury division, which is a large area. Okay, so I start shutting it down at midnight. We put up picket lines and whatever and nobody wanted to call. You know, the trains are going by, but there's there's no. They can't switch because there's a storm. They can't go into switches. They can't service the, do their job kind of thing. So that night we pulled out. The next day it was on the news. Everything, you know, the subdivision is out on strike. And then after that, both ends of the country, Montreal walk, Vancouver walk. They all did, one after another. So everybody walked off the job and went on strike. So how did that... uh, So you initiated that massive national strike on the railway. What year was that? Oh, geez. Uh, I was foreman in Sudbury. That has to be the early 90s, I'd say. The early 90s. Yeah, yeah, we were married then. Yeah. I remember that. It didn't last long, though. <laughs> the well, government got involved. Oh, it lasted two weeks. Usually it lasted three days. Oh, but this time... Yeah, and that's the year that we got that employment security deal, which is something that nobody has, I don't even think today, for any other company of any industry. Mm-hmm. And that was... It's not that we gained that much as far as the dollars concern but what it was is anybody in the track department 
across Canada that had a permanent job, which meant eight years, uh, uh, over eight years seniority, had a permanent job, they couldn't lay us off. And if they did, they'd have to pay you 90% of your wages while sitting at home. That's incredible. That's incredible. So that strike was worth it. That strike <clears throat> was worth it, and that's a reason why I went on a bridging package before I was 50 years old. And You've I, been retired ever since. Uh, retired from the railway. When, when did you retire? I think our twins were... 2003. Oh, 2003, yeah. So I had actually 30 years of seniority... And I had a combination of a number, what's called 85, of 85, age and seniority. And so that wrapped up your railroad career. Yeah. Any final words on working hard and, and working on the railway, Mike? No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really mean that, do no, you? No, <laughs> no. It went by fast enough. And I, it's, like I said, it was not only hard, but at times enjoyable. Yeah, so there you go. So that pretty well wraps up for now uh, three parts of Mike's railroad career. We might revisit it later on uh, in another podcast. Uh, I'd like to talk to him about the unions involved running a, a railway system and, and all of that and some of that kind of stuff that is difficult to talk about because this podcast isn't always light and fluffy. It's uh, some uh, emotional things that uh, we go through uh, in everybody goes through in their lives of ups and downs and ups again and uh, the difficulties uh, that we all go through at one time or another. And this is generally what this my whole podcast is is uh, is about is that you things may be tough but you get through it and if we have any kind of suggestions or advice or possibilities that you might have not have thought of because we're in our final years in our lives uh, that we can maybe offer to you that would be great so if you wish to support this podcast again uh, you can email us at email me at um Small letters, J for Joanne, M for Mike, B for Brent, J for Jessica, C for Chanel, eight in our family. So JMBJC8 at hotmail.com. So take care, everyone. Uh, working hard is, is good, but it can be very hard on your body at times, hard on your mental health at times, if you don't have the support of your employers. And uh, stay safe. Wherever you are, if something isn't feeling right, and if you feel there's a red flag <clears throat> where you're working at, uh, to do something about it. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, and you want to be that squeaky wheel to prevent yourself from getting hurt or from for anyone else that might get hurt at whatever job they are at. So take care and have a good day. We're going to uh, go and have breakfast now, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I hope you enjoyed our back deck conversations with all the, the birds chirping away. Take care. <laughs>